0: From the capital city, I'm Ken Smith. Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy was a guest on KINY's Action Line. First, he addressed how Alaska schools are performing.
1: Currently, some of the standardized testing would say that our system is not performing well. And some, uh, some of the tests were at 49 out of 50. But when you also look at individual schools, there are some individual schools that are performing much better than others and some that are performing worse than others. And so that's a discussion I think is going to uh, take place here in the legislature this year. It began last year in earnest with the Reads Act.
0: He says reading is a priority and the goal is to raise the level of students so they are reading at their grade level. And it will be an ongoing focus of the educational system moving forward this year.
1: Certainly we've got to talk about uh, making sure that schools have enough money. But we also have to keep working the reading issue all the way down so it becomes systemic. And I think that's going to be a a pretty big discussion.
0: In addition to education, he discussed additional funding for the state universities, something he says will be an ongoing discussion with the legislature this year. There is also a push, he says, for the University of Alaska to establish itself as the drone capital of the world, something he is looking forward to pursuing.
1: It's opportune for this, the, the University of Alaska to really, I, I think, really take hold of this uh, this, 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 this opportunity. And um, we've underwritten their drone program. We're going to continue to do that. And I think you're going to see some uh, major investments from some private uh, private concerns come up here as well. But don't be surprised if Alaska is named the drone capital of the world, and we've got a lot going on.
0: He says that because of Alaska's airspace and the fact that the state has a lot of aircraft, including private airplanes, they're all advantages for clone development and having a large military presence in the state and a low population. He says submersible clone development also has great potential, particularly for the University of Alaska Southeast with its proximity to the coast. Alaska is also faced with new challenges for security and protection. The state's coastline in the Arctic waters, as the ice melts, For this reason, Dunleavy says Alaska must be vigilant and proactive.
1: And we're having conversations, as I know that the federal delegation is to, to um, make sure that we have the icebreakers up here that we need, that we have the ships up here that we need, because as the Arctic warms, they're going to see more and more shipping coming through there. So Alaska has to be prepared for that. This is one of the reasons why we're uh, working on the Port of Nome to beef that up. And, um, you know, the, the northwest coast of Alaska is certainly going to be a strategic area in the world here shortly. So we've got to be ready for that.
0: He says the state needs to increase its state defense force, and $2.5 and has been set aside for that purpose in this year's budget.
1: So we want to be up our state defense force, which is solely under the state, um, and those individuals would be able to help with disasters, uh, relief work, etc. So state defense force, state defense budget to deal with the federal government, and uh, you know, as we start the conversation, we've got to look at our defense period uh, along our coast and our airspace.
0: Many other issues were discussed with the governor on the show. We will have all that in future newscasts, including the carbon legislation he is proposing and the Alaska Marine Highway System. The weather is going to turn windy and very rainy for southeast Thursday through the weekend and into early next week with some snow in the northern communities. Here's National Weather Service meteorologist Jeff Garman with a regional forecast
2: you know the big story i think is going to be the impact across the area for the next um that's going to affect most folks is if you got to get out on the water we're going to have some fairly strong winds working up with uh, it'll start out with gale force winds along the outer coast um and the southern inner channels but gradually those gales will work their way up across a, a lot of the panhandle waters here over the next 48 hours. So, we're enter- entering a windy period. It's going to be coolish, but not too far out of ordinary on temperatures. You know, low to mid 30s of much of the period. Most folks are going to get rain, but periodically for the central and northern areas, it'll mix with some snow at times. Some areas may get up to about an inch here through uh, tomorrow, but not really expecting a whole lot of snow accumulation, except for maybe the Haynes and Klondike Highways, where we do have a winter weather advisory, in effect. Some of our models give us a few breaks by the middle of next week, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it to the, to the bank. If we do get a break around here, it's probably going to be Saturday night for a brief period.
0: Megan Tabachek, Administrative Coordinator for Trail Mix, joined Dano on Capital Chat here on KINY. Trail Mix's biannual event, Hike for a Pint, is gearing back up again. Here's how it works.
3: You buy a passport from trailmixinc.org or you can join us for a special event. Then you pick up your passport and it has seven hikes on it. You only have to do five out of seven hikes to redeem your passport, which is pretty nice. You have a little bit of flexibility, you can choose some ones that you want to do. And then you go to our awesome pint partners and you redeem your passport with five hikes on it for either a pint of beer if you're over 21 at Devil's Club Brewing or you get a pint of ice cream from the newly opened Seriously Milky.
0: Tabachek says, hike for a pint takes a team of locals.
3: We're with Devil's Club Brewing Co. And it's really exciting. They were actually our very first partner. So that means that we are at round number five because we've gone through all of our breweries, plus our friends at Amalga have joined us. So, and then we're was seriously milky, who is the pint partner for ice cream. But what's really great about this event is we work with so many other local businesses for all these different components. So we hired local artist PK Wu, who also works at Devil's Club, which is pretty fun. And she designed our logo for both the summer and winter. We work with AK Litho to print all those passports. And what's actually super fun is at the end of the event, I collect all the passports. I tally up your trails, see where everyone hiked. And then I compost those passports with Juno Compost.
0: She invites the community of Juno to tonight's Trail Mix party.
3: This year we're doing get ready for some great alliteration here. We've got the Pints Pizza and Passport Party happening at Devil's Club Brewing Co. this Wednesday from four to eight PM. So their typical pizza night. They're gonna have some fun, special trail mix themed pizzas. Um, and then the trail mix crew, so me, our executive director Ryan, we're gonna be there setting up a table. And if you purchased a passport, this is your time. You can come in and pick up that passport. And if you have if you haven't purchased a passport, you have some questions you'd love to ask me face-to-face, you can come in and still purchase a passport on the 18th.
0: Examples of the trails are Mendenhall Campgrounds and Boy Scout Beach. There will be a full trail map posted on trailmixinc.org. Coming up on News of the North. Not a single crab boat from Kodiak, the Alaska Peninsula, or Chignik broke ranks to drop pots for their harvest as they protest low prices. Senator Burt Stedman speaks about the Alaska Marine Highway, one of his top priorities. And a polar bear kills a one-year-old and 24-year-old mother. Those stories coming up on News of the North. Welcome back to News of the North. Not a single crab boat from Kodiak to Alaska Peninsula or Chignik broke ranks to drop pots for a harvest of 7.3 million pounds of tanners when the fishery opened on January 15th as the crabbers protested low prices. Jazz Garrett has this report.
4: The stand-down of the fleet of nearly 170 vessels stems from the crabbers' refusal to accept a price of $2.50 a pound from four local processors, Trident, Alaska Pacific Seafoods, Ocean Beauty, and Pacific Seafoods. Kevin Abina is the secretary and treasurer of Kodiak Crab Alliance Cooperative, which represents 121 permit holders. He's also the skipper of the FV Big Blue. Abina says he hopes by their Friday meeting they'll come to an agreement to get the fleet fishing
5: we decided the 16th. We decided to stand down until the 22nd. So the earliest we will go fishing is the 22nd at noon. We have an association meeting on Friday at 6 p.m. At that meeting, we hope to have more and better news. We need to settle on a price before we can set these tenders up, right? We have to know we're going to go fishing before we can finalize the tender arrangement. But I believe we're going to make a lot of progress on that today. So as of now, we... We will be fishing at earliest one week after the start.
4: Abina comments on other decisions to be discussed today.
5: We're continuing to work on the tenders. We have tenders lined up to go to Dutch Harbor. We currently don't have tenders lined up to go to King Cove, Peter Pan. We're kind of waiting on the Peter Pan, King Cove to settle with their fishing fleet down there with with their crab fleet. And after that, I think we're going to be able to talk to them very seriously about uh, getting tenders to Kodiak. We expect that to happen today.
4: Abina was asked on what he hopes to accomplish.
5: Honestly, I'm hoping to... I'm hoping to see the Kodiak price come up, and I'm I'm hoping that we can get this fleet fishing. That's the goal. The goal is to get a fair and reasonable price for these crab and go fishing. We're willing to share the risk with these canneries. We're willing to go fishing for $3, which was already offered, if it includes some kind of profit-sharing model. They worry about hanging on to these crab. They worry about the risk. Let us share the risk with you. If you don't make more money on them, we don't make more money on them. We're happy to look at at that situation. If if profit-sharing isn't going to be a realistic option for these guys in Kodiak, for these canneries, then we're looking for something in the 4 to $5 range. We're looking for what these crab are worth, is what we're looking for.
4: And he says the fishermen are sticking together.
5: This is a, a pretty unique situation. We're excited to have the support and the unity that through this group. You know, it's a very diverse group. We have 32-foot gill netters and 120-foot crabbers and cod fishing boats and Pollock trawlers. we have a, a very very diverse mix of fishermen sticking together right now and the only way that's possible was through the the extremely low price we are offered for this product. That's about the only way you get support like this. We all understand that this stuff is more valuable and what we do is more valuable than than what's been offered and, and we're going to stick together until we get something that, that we can that we can justify taking these boats out to fish for.
0: Following a press meeting by the Senate majority on the first day of the legislative session Tuesday, News of the North caught up with Senator Burt Stedman, Republican representing Southeast Alaska District R. He says for his district priorities, the marine highway is high on his list.
6: we got to take a look at the governor's submission. There's some placeholders in that, so that'll have to be reviewed. We also have to get a further definition of the $200 million that's going into the ferry systems for all states and uh, some territories, and there's us and Maine and uh, I think another territory. So we don't know how much of that 200000000 million we're going to get. So we got to define that. And then within that, we got to categorize how much is going to go to operations and how much is going to go to capital. Because we need to replace ships. And as far as Costco, the longer we take to replace the ships, the more expensive they are. We were looking at the cross-gulf a few years ago at $250 million. Now it's $350 million. So we need to build these ships.
0: He says there are federal dollars available for electric ferries, but he sees the future ferries for Alaska still being traditional fuel-powered vessels.
6: Well, I think we're going to not go back to coal or sails, you know, and we're not going to certainly have electric uh, ferries all over the place and uh, probably uh, um, not even compressed natural gas. So my guess is there will be... Conventionally fueled uh, marine transportation. Other than there's the, some federal money for a, a electric, you know, electric uh, ferry, but that's probably going to have to have a diesel generator to charge the batteries so you can do that.
0: An investigation is beginning in a remote area of Alaska where two people are dead after being mauled by a polar bear. Alaska State Troopers reported in a statement that a 24-year-old woman and her 1-year-old son were identified as the victims. ABC's Alex Stone has the details that are known so far.
5: Alaska state troopers are now working to travel to the small Alaskan village of Wales to investigate the deaths. Police say a polar bear entered the village in the westernmost point of the American mainland and chased after residents, eventually getting to a woman and a young boy who were killed. Another resident in the village of about 170 people shot and killed the polar bear during the attack. Alex Stone, EBC News.
0: Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. I'm Ken Smith for News of the North.